0: M1 is the finance super app that puts you in control of your wealth. Invest, borrow, save, and spend your money how you want with sophisticated automation tools to help you reach your financial goals more easily. 2021 is about rebuilding, building health, building wealth, and everything in between. I've been using M1 for years to manage my long-term investment portfolio. M1 lets me follow some of the top-performing hedge funds like Code 2 and balance my pie based on what the pros are doing. It's truly my favorite investing app in the world. Go to m1finance.com slash to get started today and earn $30 to invest after you fund your account. Terms and conditions apply. M1, yours to build. Welcome to TechNotary Podcast. I'm Scott Cattoon. On today's show, we catch up with the mm-hmm founder, also formerly the founder of Evernote, Phil Libin. Where do I even start with this? This dude was so full of wisdom. Usually, we get these founders on who have created monster companies that have had major impact, but they're sort of underwhelming because like they just sort of say stuff that like you already knew, and they don't really give you that much. Phil unloaded on this one. My favorite gem, which is probably the least impactful of all the gems, was just this comparison to like, if you look at remote working and all these people pushing to go back to a full time, the old like pre-COVID schedule, it's like walking in to your team and saying, hey, I want you to take the first hour of the day and the second hour, last hour of the day, and I want you to throw them in the trash can because it's a waste of time. That look that you would give that person when they say this to you would be a look of, are you out of your mind? But that's what people are doing. They're asking people to go back to a workplace where you're wasting an hour sitting in traffic, walking to the office, whatever. You're wasting an hour plus on the way home. Forget about the impact that it has on your family, on your psyche, on your physical well-being, sitting in a car, train, whatever whatever the deal is for you. How about just the productivity? How about the fact that I can wake up in the morning, grab a cup of coffee, scroll through my emails, go have a shower, go have a run, whatever the case it is, And then sit down and work and I'm right in it and I haven't even left. And yeah, we're going to go back to the office, but we're going to do it less. Maybe it's one day a week. Maybe it's two days a week. Maybe it's once a month. It doesn't matter. And I think that comment that Phil had about it was like, kind of blew my mind because I didn't really conceptualize it. But here's the deal. If you think about it, it just makes total sense. If you can be productive from home, then you do and you should. If you work on some top secret project that requires that you're 50 floors beneath the earth at the Pentagon, well, then you can't be productive at home and therefore you have to go to the office. And my recommendation is maybe you move closer to the office or, or whatever, you figure it out. But like, we have learned enough that I think it's silly that people want to go backwards. This is just like a ticky tack little thing that I have as a conversation piece from this podcast interview. There's so much more. Like one of the biggest ones that I think you really have to, if I were to listen to this show for one thing, it's this right here. Timing is everything. That's not new. Timing in startups is even more important. Timing in startups and real life is the key. If you look at Evernote, which Phil was the founder of, Evernote, when it was started, was impossible. We had paper and thumb tabs and notes and all these crazy things, but we also had these like iPhone devices that we didn't quite know were going to be our entire lives at the time they came out. Phil and the team built something that seemed impossible only a year before. Like without the iPhone, without the idea of a digital format of note-taking, it's not possible. Fast forward two years and you've got the app store and now it's like anyone can do it. So if he's two years later, Evernote doesn't exist. If he's three years earlier, Evernote doesn't exist. He hits it at the exact right time. The same thing right now. He's got a company, All Turtles is the company, but Mm-hmm is one of the companies within it, which we talk a lot about. It's like skinning, making presentations that are done via video make it for video. In other words, we don't want to try to, treat video like we would in person and we don't want to, I certainly wouldn't talk to you in person like I'm on a video, but that's what we're doing. So if I said to you, I've got an idea for something that's going to enable you to use video in a much more powerful way. If I said that to you in 2019, you're like, who gives a shit? If I say that to you in 2021, particularly if you're on my end of the spectrum from the beginning part of my conversation, talking about work from home, you're like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There are so many things that are changing in the business world, in the tech world, in the investment world, and just like the whole world, the digital world, whether it's crazy to NFT or just basic Zoom, life is changing and how we run businesses is changing. And if you're somewhere in between living and business, this is a podcast for you. So this is my conversation with the founder and CEO of Mm hmm, Phil Libin. All right. Uh, Phil, first off, thanks for taking the time. Uh, your background is gorgeous. We'll get into backgrounds, I'm sure, not too distant into this show, uh, but I do appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Scott. Nice to be here. So I am curious, you have had a pretty uh, successful tech career, but you've also touched a lot of different areas and you've been involved in some things that like, I, I would argue there's a there's a theme. Like, I think there's a, a kind of a concept between it and the productivity and also just uh, making life easier and better for those of us who have to do business on a daily basis. It's not a SAS platform for, you know, scaling CRMs, uh, but it's a super important piece of the business of just like having a good experience. And that's sort of been kind of a theme across your career. At least it looks from the vantage point that I have. Uh, I'm just curious to learn a little bit about you and your background and, and sort of what you're working on now.
1: I'm not sure that there has been much of a theme. I guess I, I kind of started out, um, just, um, you know, not able to really hold down a real job. And so starting things. <laughs> Likewise. That's how it went. Yeah. And then uh, maybe in the sort of the, 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 the latter half, it's been more about uh, just building the things that I wish existed.
0: Yeah. Um, it really kind of as simple as that. So when you first, you, we'll go back to the can't hold a job thing for a second, because I'm also a person who has just been self described as unemployable this is a complete dream world, right? Like if we were able to have a a company we worked for where all we had to do was the job at hand and solve the problems and be successful and kind of enjoy that, uh, I'd be a great employee. However, the minute you have a real job, uh, that's like the last thing that you're worried about. And it's always just bickering back and forth and stupid things that you don't want to do. Where was that moment for you when you're like, I can't do this. Like, I need to have my own thing. Did you even have that experience? Did you just know it was not going to work? Like how, how did you decide I'm going to leap and, and start my own career? And then from there, like, obviously there's the elephant in the room that was quite successful. We'll, uh, we'll get to that. I'm sure. But how, how did you know?
1: I see what you did there. I, I see.
0: <laughs> it was actually <laughs> unintended until, uh, until it came out of my head. I was like, oh yeah, that's actually perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, so
1: I moved at a Pretty young age I was eight years old and my family moved from what was then the Soviet Union um, as refugees to, to, to New York and so I was growing up in the you know in the early 80s in a really rough neighborhood in New York City in, in the Bronx and uh, like there was a lot of gang activity uh, but the gangs just wouldn't have me they wouldn't they didn't want to hang out with me and so I was just stuck in my bedroom and I begged my parents to give me a computer and and, and they finally did and so I just like I just stayed in my room you know hacking around in my on my Atari 800. Uh, computer 800xl and you know i guess learned a lot and so i've been doing kind of computery stuff since i was you know 10 years old uh and i always had something going on i was i was a you know I was always able to earn some money by doing something related with computers you know fixing them or programming or something uh it just kind of felt natural but i, I always assumed that uh you know that i would have a real job like my my, my family is every in of my family is well my parents are both classical musicians, but everyone else is like a scientist or an engineer or something. So I always assumed I would be a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer or something. And all of those things turned out to be really hard when I was in school. And yeah, I just kind of, I felt like I was just failing for a long time because I, I you know, I was an engineer, but I couldn't really hold down a real job. And uh, and so, yeah, I just started starting things because um, that just seemed easier, but I wasn't proud of it. I never like self-identified as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, it just felt like failing, uh, but then you know, after a few companies, I was like, "All right, well, maybe maybe this is like a legitimate way to to, to lead a life." Uh, and I started taking it, you know, a bit more seriously, and and it had some, I would say, you know, medium success. And then when um, when COVID hit, uh, you know, I was already I was already running uh, all turtles, and uh, we were all forced to like sit in our rooms and our computers. And I was like, I trained for this. This was my childhood. Like, I know yeah. exactly how to do this part. So it was almost like, it was like, oh yeah, I, re- I remember this. So it was, it was easy
0: to come up with new stuff. It brought me back to my childhood. It's, you know, it's funny. I, I never looked at it. Like I felt like I was constantly failing, but I definitely can certainly uh, understand and, and, and sort of empathize with the concept that everyone in my family has like a, what you call a real job. Yeah. And it, it was always this like, what is he doing? why am I working on like, they call it projects, which I still call to, to this day, obviously a project until it's something real, but right. it's just like, what is he doing? And you get a couple of exits, even if they're small and you start to realize like, Oh, there's like a real business here. And you get plugged into a community, which we obviously built here in Chicago, where it was like, it's a startup community. Like there's other, you know, to our parents degenerates that did this for <laughs> a living. And you know, it, it's obviously worked its way. And for you, it's worked out a lot. What, I guess one of the things that's curious to me, and I think audience members would probably also ask this, is for people who, how do I put this? People who have had real jobs but are unhappy, who maybe still can climb up the corporate ladder, but they're just not happy. They tend to do all right when they start their own companies, if they're the right you know, mix to be a self, you know, self-built or whatever you want to call it. Sure. Uh, they're good at hiring and, and understanding how to build a hierarchy because they've been through it, even if they didn't like it. Some of the people I've met who literally never had a quote unquote real job they have struggled to build teams and manage people and i'm, I'm just curious how that went for you because if you're similar to me in any way and like covid I, I was built to work in this little room here and hit buttons you know like i i was built for that going into like managing of people and things like obviously i've gotten more adept at it but it's it's a it's a it's a struggle and it can be particularly difficult depending on your mindset so i'm, I'm just curious like how do you how are you able to recognize like, how am I gonna build something? Because it's one thing to build a product or idea, but you at some point obviously are building tech teams and sales teams and you know, management and so forth.
1: Yeah, it's hard. Uh, I mean, I think um, in general, I, I, I've got a few like frameworks that I've like developed over the past you know, couple of decades that I just try to apply to myself that, that really help. And one of them is not to be constantly in like problem solving mode. Uh, meaning that like, it's very natural for me. And I think for a lot of people to like, think about all of the negatives, think about all the problems and identify them and be like, ah, this thing sucks. And this thing sucks. And this thing is hard. And this thing is a shortcoming. And I think it's very human. Uh, I think we have a strong negativity bias in general. Um, yeah. in fact, like it's much easier to seem smart when you're like criticizing something, when you're like complaining about something like, and so like the more people that are in a room together, the more everyone just tends to just, you know, whine about things. It's relatively easy to like diagnose problems. It's much harder, it takes a much different kind of imagination to like not think about problems, but think about like, well, what are the new things that are amazing? What's the upside? And I just try to force myself doing that. So whenever there's like a big change, I try to say, Well, all right, I'm just gonna like not worry about the difficulties. I know they're difficult. I'm gonna try to focus on like, well, what are the new superpowers? What are the massive advantages that just happened? What kind of stuff can I do now that I could never do before? And really lean into those and be like, okay, 80% is about like amazing new superpowers and how do we get the most of them? And 20% is how do we solve the problems that have just come up because of, yeah. because of whatever change it was. And so that was like our, our philosophy around, you know, around COVID around being distributed. It was just like, yeah, everything sucks. And it's like hard, but, Oh, but there's like a glimmer of things that are actually much better. And how do we like, how do we like explore the stuff that's better than, 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 than before than, than, than it's ever been. And, and how big is it? And it turns out like when we, when, when you dive into that very often, the stuff that's amazing, the stuff that's better actually turns out to be like far bigger and more important than, than the challenges. So I call it um, rigorous optimism. I try to have a rigorously optimistic way to approach the world, which to me, rigorous optimism means that I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, which means that like, I believe that the world can be made better and will be made better, but only if I do it. Only if yeah. like we actually make a plan and do the hard work to make it happen. Like it's not a, it's not a Pollyannish optimism, which just assumes that it's gonna happen by itself. It's not, but we can make it so.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so like, when I think about this, I, I have to ask you, do you invest in startups by chance? Are you mm-hmm. doing angel investing and so forth? Yeah, yeah, a bit. So like, that's one thing that has always been a, a trigger for me is I do invest in myself, but obviously, you know, raise money like anybody else in, in tech. And I often run into a lot of the venture guys who absolutely love to point out the things that suck about what you have. And rarely is there like this like mind blowing, like, hey, here's this gigantic opportunity, certainly rife with problems you're gonna have to work through, but look at this. And I wonder if if one of the things we're starting to see, obviously valuations and things aside, you're seeing more activity from investors in the startup space. And I'm wondering if, if part of that has to do with more operators like yourself actually getting more involved at a higher, longer rate than maybe in the past.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I think, look, I think there's, there's always been great investors, especially great tech investors that are especially early stage yeah. that are looking at the opportunity and the aren't focusing on, 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 on the difficulties. Uh, you know, if you're doing seed stage or angel investing or even like a round investing, um, As an investor, and I, you know, I've done a bunch of investing myself, and then I, you know, I worked, I was a managing director at a large fund, a general catalyst for a couple of years. Um, So I have some institutional experience and a lot of personal experience. And, you know, as an early stage investor, you're not looking for, for to limit your downside. You're not looking for something that like may not fail. You're looking for something that's almost certainly going to fail, but if it succeeds, it's going to succeed really, really big. And and that's fine, right? It's totally okay from the investor's point of view, not necessarily from the founders. From the investor point of view, it's sort of okay to like look at something and be like, "Wow, okay, um, if this thing goes, it's going to be transformative. It's going to be massive." And so, what's the chance that it's actually going to succeed? Well, maybe it's only a five percent chance. All right, yep. well, you know, a five percent chance of a massive success for the certain kind of investment profile is actually amazing. Yeah, you know, for a different investment profile, you may be looking for a ten percent chance or a fifty percent chance. But um, there's always there's always been people that know how to like not think about the downside. Uh, but you know, there's also obviously many more people that just say all sorts of random bullshit
0: because, yeah, well, (laughs) we we certainly get plenty of that. And I I do think that as you start to get a lot more people, particularly MBAs that come into it, not as operators, uh, mostly probably in the middle. I think you, you, mentioned that we've had a lot of amazing early, uh, early being like two decades, three decades ago, investors that I think did have a unique vision. We do have a lot of people I think that are in the middle now associates, principals, so forth that just aren't, I don't know. I I feel like if you've been an operator at some point, you, you have the ability to see, I don't want to say see the future, but you can see past a lot of the cobwebs. And that's the one area I think of weakness. And I'm thinking mostly in Chicago, to be totally honest, where we lack that. We lack the vision from the investor side, I think.
1: Well, look, the good news for founders right now is, you know, thanks to COVID, Uh, pretty much every single good investor anywhere in the world will take meetings with you over video and will invest without ever having met you in person. That is a permanently true thing in the world. And if you're doing it right, if you're doing asynchronous video for your pitches, using mm -hmm, like you should be,
0: um,
1: your marginal cost of getting in front of any investor is like pretty much zero. So you got no one to blame but yourself if you're like, haven't like, go ahead and make something cool, make a good pitch, send it to a thousand investors. Uh, takes you no more time than than meeting with a dozen would have, you know, in the before yeah. times. And then, you know, the ones that are interested, like, have go ahead and have meetings with them. So, like, it doesn't matter. Like, sure, there's plenty of bad investors, but who cares? Uh, who cares how many people say no to you? You only care as long as one person says yes. And you can you can get to all of them in a much more scalable way. So it's like best time ever to be raising money. From, I could not from agree. View. Point of view. I
0: could not agree more. I, I I am baffled on some of the conversations I have even now with some of the founders, where it's just like you're going back to the same network again and again and again. Like you could literally interview anyone; you could talk to anyone you want.
1: There's not a there's not a single good investor, especially in like tech, that's like not gonna talk to you until they can see you in person. Like literally none. How could they yeah. have possibly have survived? So just <laughs> like, of course you can talk to anyone you want. You just have to like. Like you have to understand what your part of things is, which a lot of entrepreneurs don't.
0: That is part of, I think, part of the program that they don't quite get yet. You used a great uh, reference, so we'll use it as our swing here. Into, hmm, Let's talk about that. What are you building there? How do people use it? What is the, what's the great vision there?
1: Uh, well, the idea is is it, it started out as a joke. Uh, it started out as a as way to- great,
0: Most great tech companies do. A, <laughs> lot,
1: a lot do. If I was going to start a VC fund, which I'm not saying I've been a. But if I was gonna start one, I'd probably call it like you know, started as a joke fun, like it only hey, for a in brief period of time. I owned
0: mockery.com, and that was gonna be a fun. And it's it just bad. didn't quite uh, it was hard to get people to buy into it here. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, so it literally started out as a joke, and we were just trying to you know make ourselves laugh a little bit on you know endless Zoom calls, uh, right after the pandemic already started. We started this in May, so two months into the lockdown, and uh, we pretty quickly just realized that actually. The the real benefit here is, is to is to understand that video isn't a poor substitute for being in person. Yeah. Video is its own type of thing, which can give you amazing communication superpowers that isn't has nothing to do with like getting through COVID. It has everything to do with thriving, building a good work life integration um, forever. So we we we're trying to basically make a new definition of what the video is and get it totally out of oh, it's about talking boxes on Zoom and having meetings. And when you can't be there in person, maybe you do video as a poor substitute and actually saying, no, the stuff that's better in person, you should do in person. The stuff that's better on video, you should do on video. Those two things aren't trade-offs. They're not compromises. And it turns out that a shocking number of important things in the world, if you include a video component in them, become much better.
0: Yeah. I don't think there's any question there. I think anyone that has gone through the the COVID migration from an office to, to work, The early days it was, I think, just how do I replicate? But I think as we've advanced, those that have been successful, I think really have noticed like I can use video in a lot of ways, just as I use audio in a lot of ways. Um, It's a medium. It's a different kind of medium. And it, it does require, I think, extra hands that like Zoom as we're doing it right now. Your screen obviously is significantly more attractive than mine, though I do like my golf clubs. You can do more with it. You can actually use your background as space that does something for you, as opposed to just like a block that's... You know, this is not me in front of you. This is me on a screen. Um, can you share a little bit about sort of like how it works, uh, the differences, the way that you z- you view this as a, a video as a medium being unique, and like the the some of the advantages of this, which I can see you're already doing in okay. front of me. Show me some more, sweet clubs. More more golf clubs. There we go. Uh, I have more golf clubs than you do now. Really. Is that a titleless DCI? <laughs> I have no idea, man.
1: I don't know about sports ball. It's all the same to me. I just I just I just typed golf clubs into, into, mm-hmm, and this is what it came up with.
0: So. <laughs> so, so how does the platform work? Walk us through this a little bit.
1: It's uh, um, it's pretty straightforward. Basically when we, where we started was it's a companion app to zoom or WebEx or Google meet or whatever. So wherever you're doing video, you download mm-hmm, uh, and you can, uh, you can have, you know, yourself and you can have your, your slides and you can walk through uh, make presentations uh, change the, the environment you're in, fly around and point at things with your face, just like do all the kind of stuff that like makes a lot of sense on video. So it started out as a way to present on Zoom or other things. And, and I think that's, that's, like, that's probably most of the, in, of the initial use case. And, and now we're making the, the transition from just using it inside of Zoom to present to just like taking over the way that you communicate. So it's m- about doing things synchronously and asynchronously Making recordings, sharing them with your team, giving feedback, jumping between real-time conversations and recorded conversations, doing that inside of Zoom and WebEx and, and Google Meet and Microsoft Teams, but also doing it without any of those things, doing it just just inside of mm-hmm, having multiple people on the screen at the same time, moving like a DJ between live and pre-recorded content. Um, it's a it's a really kind of engaging uh, experience once you start like getting into it. The transition for me happened like this. You know, in March. We all went locked down, closed down all of our offices. We had offices for all turtles. We had offices at uh, in uh, San Francisco, Tokyo, and Paris. We closed them all down when, when distributed, and it sucked. Uh, working from home, you know, people have kids screaming everywhere. Uh, it's just like a, it was a bad experience for the first couple of months. And for the first couple of months, we were all like scared of dying because no one knew what was going to happen. But then, like by May, like two months had gone by, and we were like, okay, well, probably not all going to die. And so the terror kind of went away and it was replaced with just like the tedium and the boredom of yep. like every thing being a goddamn video call and so boring and ineffective. And so we just started goofing around, you know, I just started like making funny videos and just like as a way purely to just make people smile inside of our own company. And then um, a few weeks later, I had to teach a class. Uh, a startup class. And I, you know, I taught this class many times. It was about p- startup stats and metrics, but I couldn't do it in person this time because, you know, of COVID. Yep. So doing on video and I was like, man, this is going to suck. I, and so I, so I, so I, I decided to cancel it because I'm like, I don't want to like show slides in a box on zoom with myself and a head. That's like so boring. Like I, I feel bad for like the, the students that need to sit through this. So I was going to cancel it. But then I thought, well, you know, we're probably going to be doing this for like a year or two at least. Uh, so what if like, instead of like doing it in zoom and trying to figure out like how can I present my old slides but in zoom like what would it look like if I just redid the whole content to just be native to video if I was just like, if I wanted to teach this but only on video not as a substitute to what I used to do in person completely different. Based on video and so i so i did it i like made some new slides and i used this early prototype to do it and i was like you know i was like flying around and pointing at things and doing little animations It's really really hokey but but pretty expressive and i was like wow this is actually really good like the people who attended this class online had a much better experience than than you know the previous semester was in person because like it turns out i'm like better on video teaching this thing as long as I wasn't trying to recreate what I was doing before, I was doing something new yep. and, and, and that made me think like, yeah, actually it's not a substitute for being in person, it's better in, for certain things and, and, and that kind of caused us to go down this, this this rabbit hole of well, what else is better on video and how do we improve multiple aspects of life and you know and I started doing that, and we immediately raised a, a large amount of money because it was so exciting and Went from two people to about 110 right now in about a year.
0: And um, yeah, so far so good. I can't imagine a better time to raise money for what you were working on than like dead center COVID. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but, but that went
1: through two phases. So the first phase when we raised our seed round, that was led by Sequoia, yep. uh, and it was like, you know, it was a pretty good seed round. And it was like something like 5 million or something. Um, and that was towards the beginning of COVID. That was, I think yep. we raised that in like July or something. Uh, of 2020. And, and that was very much like, yeah, we've got a we've got a good solution to a shitty situation. That's hopefully short term, hopefully, this is only a shitty situation that lasts for a year or or so. Uh, But Everyone on the planet is in the same shitty situation. So if you've got like a, like a nice bandaid to make, to make life a little bit better, even if it's only for the next year, but it's like for the entire population of the planet, that's pretty good. So we got it's the CRM based you know. on that. And it was just a good pitch too. I never made a, there was no pitch deck. There was no presentation. It was just, it was just doing, using live. In yeah. Pictures.
0: Fortunately, what you're selling is a pretty conducive to selling at that exact time in a live video.
1: Exactly. Yeah, uh, live <laughs> and, and, and 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 pre-recorded. Yeah, uh, and, and jumping back and forth between them. But that was just the seed round. Uh, pretty soon after that, you know, a few months later, we raised the the A, and then the B, and that was not that was that was because investors like were starting to understand that actually. Video isn't a COVID thing. This is a transformation of the world that's going to be a complete rewrite of how we've structured civilization. That's going to be a forever thing. So when it went from how do we survive COVID, that's good for for a few million dollars, to wow, this is actually pointing to how we thrive as human beings in the new world after COVID. That's that's a lot bigger. So obviously we couldn't have raised $136 million in a year if we were pitching a short-term COVID thing. Like, yeah, it, it's only because it's so fundamentally transformative.
0: It did. It did take a little while, I think, for people to recognize that there was this wasn't an after COVID. This was like legit a distributed remote world where we're all working at different places. And that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. For, for, for some of us, we say uh, for our company, no one is remote. Like we don't do remote work. We're not remote because to me, remote means this remote is like lonely Remote means that like you're isolated, you're sitting by yourself, but other yeah. people are like having a good time. Yeah. Remote is like a fundamental disadvantage. Like we don't do remote work, we're, we're distributed. Yep. Uh, and, and distributed, like the difference between remote and distributed is like intentional design. Like we have designed a distributed company in the same way that the internet is designed to be a distributed system. Like the internet is distributed, not because people don't know how to make centralized networks, obviously. <laughs> yeah. It's distributed because like being distributed gives you massive advantages. You couldn't, the internet wouldn't be the internet if it wasn't yeah. distributed. And, and it also raises some, some, some difficulties. There are certain things on the internet that would certainly be easier if there was everything was centralized, but the difficulties are worth working through because people intuitively understand the amazing superpowers of being distributed. So it's the same thing for us. Like our companies are built to be distributed by design, not because we can't be back in an office. We can be if we wanted to, but because we choose not to, because we choose to embrace the superpowers that being distributed gives us. And, and, the, and, and it also comes with difficulties, but the difficulties are very much worth overcoming because the advantages are something that we are never going to willingly give up because they're so amazing. And I, I think people are coming around to this thinking where not every company is going to be distributed, but every company is going to have some distributed components and many companies will be fully distributed. Yep. And we're building like the, 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 the essential tool set for that.
0: I think, I mean, obviously I agree with you on this. I think it makes a pretty, pretty easy case for anyone who's paying attention. In particular, when you start looking at like the demographics of the new worker and like what, what kind of work they do. It doesn't make, it's actually a disadvantage to try to make people have to sit in traffic and go through all these different things when they don't need to. Look, I,
1: ought to, I think it ought to be criminal. Like literally there ought to be a law against like asking like a software engineer to sit in traffic for two hours a day. Yeah, it's stupid. Like that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and not just software engineer. The vast majority of you know knowledge workers. Like how how could you possibly go back to a time where you're asking employees to sit in traffic? Like what? That makes no sense. That is, del- and you don't
0: get paid for that. And that's the most stressful part of the day. And it's the most disruptive for your family. Well,
1: exactly. Imagine imagine if like somehow magically, like Harry Potter style, magic, 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 alternate reality, and on alternate Earth, my company like never had like nobody ever had to like waste time sitting in traffic. That's just the way it was, you know, for decades. Yep. And all of a sudden I show up to work, I show up to the office one day, and again, this is alternate reality where we have offices, but no one sits in traffic. And I show up one day and I'm like, hey, everybody gather around, I've got a CEO idea. I'm gonna need each of you to waste two hours a day sitting in traffic. And like, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know that it's not very productive because you can't do work. And you, you're not using that time to spend time with your friends and your family. And, and you're getting pretty- pissed because the guy behind you can't drive. Yeah, yeah, and it's really unhealthy and it's bad for you mentally and physically. And, oh my God, it's terrible for the environment, but I'm just going to need you to do it. Two hours a day, all of you wasted sitting in traffic, go. Right? Like the board would be like, well, the CEO has gone crazy and would fire <laughs> me
0: instantly. But like, that's kind of what we're asking people to do. It is. I Listen, uh, so Chicago, obviously that's not going to work. Chicago is still, I, I wrote this piece that went in TechCrunch the other day about this. Chicago has all these advantages. People are starting to invest in them. I'm, I'm raising a series A myself for one of our companies, which is distributed. They want... The people to come back to the office. And I, I get it for certain things, but it's like Chicago traffic is not LA traffic, but holy shit, it's terrible. And I'm looking at you going like, do you want all of these amazing graduates from UFC and Northwestern to leave? But, but like but and still like, in Chicago, they just won't work here.
1: And I can, I can look, I know that somebody is listening to this, to this recording right now. Cause I can like, I can brain hear you asking like, oh, but Phil, but well, what about like companies where you need to be in person? Great, then, then you need to be in person yeah like, <laughs> like it's not rocket science yeah, if, if you work in like the secret underground layer at Apple designing their secret hardware and like that's 13 stories down underneath the spaceship yeah like that's your job that's where you have to be I get it or if you're like a brain surgeon and the brains that you need to operate in are yeah. like at the hospital okay fine although but soon if you're not that be
0: robotic and you'll be using mm-hmm, exactly to do it, yeah. So.
1: yeah exactly but for now it's okay okay go where the brains are I get it that's fine. Or, you know, or if you're working in a store or a restaurant or whatever. Yeah. But if you're a knowledge worker, of course you shouldn't be wasting time in traffic. That's horrible for you and for the world. And of course, any company that's going to force you to do that is just straight up delusional. Uh, and so it's, it's funny to see the amount of delusion going around right now. But yeah, we'll see how it all Obviously,
0: out. There, there are several who uh, do not suffer from the same delusion. Although there's a lot of different delusions that are going on. So we won't go into that. We'll leave that yeah. for another show.
1: But then I people have- will focus on, you know, they will be like, again, I hear like the brain, I can brain hear people saying like, oh, but what about like, uh, you know, but working from home is like really lonely. I'm like, well, okay. I didn't say work from home. I said, fully distributed. Like I don't yeah. work from home. I mean, I, I'm working from now, yeah. but I choose where to work from. I also very often I work from the pool, which is great. Cause I go swimming in between zoom calls. I work from a museum, <laughs> which is great. Like if I need to puzzle through something creatively, like I go walk through crystal bridges, which is an amazing museum. Like you think, you think you're going to have better, better creativity. You're not like supposed to do that, room? Phil.
0: I paid you to sit your ass in your office at home where your kids are screaming. That's it's yeah. supposed to be worse than working in my office. Right, exactly. My like so, if
1: you think that distributed working is working from home, and by the way, your home is a shitty work environment, then of course it sucks. Yeah. So don't work somewhere it's, else. It's shocking how better.
0: much better our brains operate when we actually get out of the house and out of the office and go yeah. see things. It's weird. Yeah. And
1: I, and, exactly. and I'm not saying never see your 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 never see other people. I see people all the time. I see more people than I used to before. I'm not even saying never see your employees. I see my employees, I just don't see them every day.
0: Oh man. Uh, or like three days a week,
1: which doesn't make any sense. So yeah, all of this is like there's a lot of nonsense, but obviously, you know, it's like that line from from from, from the Matrix, from the first one, from the good one, when you know they're on the subway tracks and, and the, the machine agent says, you know, you hear that sound, Mr. Anderson. That is the sound of inevitability when like the yeah. train is coming. Like this is inevitable. We know how it's gonna go. So may as well get ready for it.
0: We're gonna cut like six clips out of that one last little burst and shoot them out on the internet. So <laughs> It's, it's like words that I can only say so loud for the people in the back and it just doesn't get heard here, but it will be heard eventually. Uh, inevitability is the key. Uh, one thing I want to ask you from a technical perspective, I'm looking at your background. I'm looking at the way that you've dist- you displayed in your, your uh, for me, it's the right-hand corner of whatever you're showing, whether it's a picture or a slide or whatever. And I, I'm already envisioning like ways I can improve my own show. Like all these little bits that I do when I talk about, I like to collect cards. So I'll go into these like weird rants that have nothing to do with anything. Uh, mm-hmm. popping them up in the corner would be super helpful. Obviously, as I pitch the series A, like it'd be great to be able to walk you through stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, play the videos. One thing I've noticed in your uh, display so far, it is immaculate in the way that it follows you around. I'm curious, do you have a green screen behind you? Like, how are you making this so perfect? Because a lot of the filters and things that we've used, now granted, a lot of these are garbage that are just thrown in from Zoom. Yeah, They don't operate well enough for us to rely on it. And you're, I mean, it's, perfect.
1: Yeah. The main reason is my, my rigorous, brutal skincare routine. Like high, A lot of time moisturizing. That's like, it's, it's that's the key. Uh, and then, you know, decent lighting. I'm standing, I'm standing in front of a window, so I'm actually getting a lot of natural light. Um, I do have a green screen here. It's not actually a green screen. It's just like a sheet that I have over yep. me, but, but that's only because that works well in this room. There's plenty of ways to use it. Like if you were doing it from where you're sitting right now, I wouldn't do the silhouette green screen. I would have like a cutout where, you're still framed, but there's just stuff around you, kind of like news anchor style. And you yep. can still do like things over your shoulder, wherever you want. So like you don't like I'm doing a particular style of thing because I'm, I'm in a location in my home studio that where I'm, I'm standing opposite a window in front of a green sheet. So I do it like full full bleed. Yeah, But if I had a nice background, which I do in other rooms, sometimes yep. when I'm doing it from a different room or when I'm like working in the museum and it's actually beautiful behind me. I'm not going to put in like a filter that cuts it out. I'm actually just like have a different way of framing things and still doing slides. So it's not a, like, this is not an either or thing. Like wherever, whatever your background is, you can find a way using hmm, to make it like expressive and beautiful, depending on what kind of effects you're going for.
0: Yeah. Because I have to tell you, like when you dropped and had the, the overlay that was behind you, it looked so perfect. And I'm thinking to myself, like how many times are we on calls or, or videos? And obviously we've talked already about using the medium to all its capabilities, as opposed to a, a compromise, but the number of times that I have to follow around and say, "Okay, oh, you know, hold on one second as I share the screen? And then the person's like, Oh shit, it's going to take my it whole screen. And I can't keep shopping. Mm-hmm. I literally can talk and just show you slides as I'm going through it, send you the deck ahead of time. Like it just, I can see what you're pitching, I guess is the point. And I think a lot can, of the different patches has not been very good.
1: Yeah. And I can set up like different uh, scenes for all the different slides. So, for example, if I want to do a slide where it's like, oh, and we're about to introduce a new product, and uh, you know, this is the really we finally feel like like we've got the serious uh, uh, use cases going. So, yep. so you know, we we're just screwing around before, but now we've got the serious product, and so we're rolling it out, and it's going to be called mm-hmm Chunky. Ah, <laughs> like right. All I did was like advance to the next slide, and I've got yep. it set up so that when I go to mm-hmm Chunky, it like it shrinks me, it puts me here, it puts the thing behind me, yep. and I can be like ah. And like, that just works. And then I'm on to my next slide. And like, you know, my next slide is I'm, 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 now I'm here and I've got a different kind of, you know, background. And then, you know, and then I can be back in, in this room. So all of this is like, it's very easy to just sequence it to make it happen, however you happen. And then you can, you can drive it live, like I'm doing now, or you can just record stuff. And, 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 and you can seamlessly, even on the same Zoom call, switch between playing videos and and interrupting them and being live in real time. So it really is kind of like a DJ. A DJ is is a live performance of mostly pre-recorded content. Right, a DJ like decides what records to play based on like what they're trying to do, how the room is reacting. And they decide like when to play a new song, when to interrupt, when to banter, when to like call security to have someone thrown out. Like that's the same idea. Like like modern communication is is a hybrid of seamlessly going between real time and recorded and mixing and matching those as appropriate. And like, that's, that's what we let you do.
0: Well, it seems to be working incredibly. I cannot wait to get my hands on this. I was waiting until we did this interview. I just, my producer, Sam had been sending me links to this for a while and I, I just think, like I said in, in the last five minutes here, I don't plan on going back to the, the old way. I run everything through video and audio and I think it's, it's just so much easier. I cannot wait to add that third dimension, which I feel like right now we're missing.
1: Yeah. And look, like this is entrepreneurship is not is about never going back. It's about going forward. Like, I don't want to go back to anything. I don't want to go back to the way things were. I want to go forward to the way things should be. Like, th- I think this is the core entrepreneurial skills. Like, forget it, like, understand what used to be, but don't try to recover it. You can never recover it. And you shouldn't want to because it was never that great to begin with. Let's go forward to the way the world should be, not the way, it, not, not our magical memory of, of maybe how it used to be.
0: I would think that that's a pretty grand lesson also from, from Evernote in the sense that like it changed, like I was a big user uh-huh. and it changed the way that I shared anything with my team. I like, I would argue that there's no slack and this doesn't sound like people, this makes sense, but there's no slack without Evernote. There's no, there's no notes. There's, there's so many things that it changed and you could go back and do things differently and you could have the company do different things at different times, Of course, whatever. And it's at its core, it was this, I think it was the kickoff for going digital from office. That, that's why I said before, like, I don't think there's a theme per se about your business, your like career, but there is a theme in that, like that is one of those things that change the way that we operate, what we do or how we do it. And this is another example of that. That I guess is a, a full you. circle.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's very kind of you. I, I do think that there's a, the secret of startups, I think success is the same as like the secret of comedy, right? Like, you know, <laughs> yes, it is. Right. Like, go ahead, ask me, ask me, what's the secret of comedy? Go ahead, ask me. Ask what is me. the secret of comedy? timing? Exactly. Right. Same thing with startups, right? It's timing. So, uh, and, and, and timing in a very specific way, you have to wait until some important problem in the world goes from being impossible to solve to just being really, really hard. Like something has to have changed in the world. You hear that click and you're yeah. like, aha, uh-huh. it just went from being impossible to just being really difficult. Yeah. And then you execute on it. And if you miss that click, you you miss the timing then you screwed it up right because if you if you start before it's actually possible when it's still impossible then you know you don't, you, don't have, you haven't raised enough money to do the impossible and if you wait too long and it's like it's no longer really hard now it's actually kind of easy then lots of people have done it and you've lost yep. that so it's like the timing is like what 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 was that sound what just what just went from being impossible to being really hard and 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 that happens whenever things change in the world so at evernote that click was iPhone and like App Store. And it was like, we heard it. We were like, oh, okay. Now actually we could build something that syncs everything everywhere and is available whenever you are. And like that. Like, had we tried to build Evernote five years earlier or three years earlier, it would have been impossible. It couldn't have succeeded. Had we waited to build it three years later, well, there would have already been an Evernote. It would have been too late. And and same thing now, like what, what is that click? What just changed? Well, COVID plus all of the video platforms that came out, plus all the the, the, the computer vision. Like we can, like had we tried to build mm mm-hmm, literally a year before we tried to build it, it couldn't have succeeded because A, it would have been harder to build and B, no one would have cared. And had we waited, you know, a year longer, well, too late, there's already somebody else would have already built mm mm-hmm. So it's like, it's that timing is the key. And I've tried to like be sensitive to like hearing those clicks where I know something is inevitable and maybe I just acknowledge it before, too many people acknowledge it and and, and, and we could build it at that time. But I also get it wrong most of the time, so.
0: <laughs> as long, It's like you said before investing, as long as you get it right once, 5%, you hit the big one, you're gonna win. You know, I, I absolutely love the way you describe that because as a person who is involved in a business that like in 2016 pre-cameo, uh, there was no, no one would have given a shit about a personalization, personalization of anything, let alone digital and a gift nonetheless. Like, so we do it in music cameo and i was fortunate enough to have cameo launch on the technology stage years ago nice. and obviously steven's had tremendous success his like opening the door to the masses to see that there could be this digital customized personal connection the business went you know more than 1200 percent growth year over year after that just because of people being like oh i want this timing is everything how you capitalize is everything last question i've got for you uh, just because i enjoy it every single time i hear you say mm-hmm how the hell did you decide mm-hmm, is the name of a business? Well, or is it just because of the joke? And that's how it just kept going?
1: Yeah, basically. I mean, um, so I'll give you the serious answer because there's a lot of joke answers. I actually made a video that has like all the joke answers. You know, we say like because it's important to have a name, you can say while well, eating and, you know, because um, all sorts of things like that. But here, one of those is probably, you know, it's, it's only, it's like, it's true. It's like, it's like yeah, one of these yeah. like funny because it's true jokes, which is uh, I got tired of people asking me like, why, how all turtles, was named because all turtles, yeah. a weird name. I'm like, you think old turtles is a weird name? I'm like hold my beer. You
0: know? yeah.
1: And then like totally succeeded. No one, no one asks me about, about why old turtles is called old turtles anymore. Um, no, like the, the, the real version is, and I made a joke about it in an earlier video where I said, we called it mm-hmm because when SAP tries to copy us, they're going to have to call their version SAP meh for enterprise. <laughs> and like, that's, that's actually pretty close to the real answer. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of a defensive move, right? Because like, obviously we're going to have copycats, probably yeah. already do. And as soon as someone tries to copy us, they're immediately faced with, what are we going to call it? And they can make two choices. They can give it a serious name, in which case everyone's first impression is going to be like, oh yeah, that's the more boring version of mm-hmm. Or they're going to try for a crazier name, in which case you're going to fuck it up because like, who can do that? Who can commit to it? Who can actually do it authentically? And then it're just going to be ridiculed. So it's like, the name is actually like, it's kind of a strategic move. A moat. So it is kind of part of the mode. It's like, okay, now like I've called mine hmm, your turn. Any and up, you know, I
0: I would love to see
1: SAP meh. <laughs> SAP meh for enterprise. <laughs> Just kidding, SAP.
0: No, you, please buy us and change the name to whatever you want. <laughs> but seriously, it, well, maybe not. You don't want you don't want that deal. Then you got to get fired because you can't work for a regular company and you start another company and here we go.
1: Yeah. Or maybe, maybe they should just change their name to, to mm-hmm if they buy us, because you know, a stronger name.
0: <laughs> I, I agree. I think we all know how these companies go through their their decision. They'll get a bunch of consultants in and here we go.
1: Our name doesn't, doesn't spell SAP. That's all I'm saying.
0: That's it's, and that's a positive, a very positive note. Uh, <laughs> this has been an absolute pleasure. I, uh, I am going to be a customer very soon here. Try this out. I think it, it brings a ton of value for me, obviously, because I run shows and such, but uh, behind the scenes, doing all the calls with everyone. I, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, of a company that's called uh, Meet with Spot. They do the audio thing out if you've ever heard of it, but I like the alternative of like, this is how you should do business calls if you're like out and about, like you don't have to have video, you want to do this. He's worked on building, Greg Kaplan's the CEO. He's worked on building, you'd say, isn't that just a telephone? Like you do calls, right? And he would say, no, because these are the things that you can do with this that you couldn't do otherwise and why it's a different experience you've taken a very similar approach for video. It's like, this isn't just a video. This is a way to like, you change the way you pitch, you change the way you talk, you change the way you, you host it.
1: Oh my God. Like, I think as an investor, one of the things I love is when, you know, I'm talking about an investment in some startup with like somebody else and they're like, wait, but isn't that just a, like the, isn't it just a is like yeah. a really good sign. Cause like, yeah, everything that was successful is just a something like, you know, cars were just like horses. Isn't it just a ride, right? Like, is, isn't that just a horse with you know a gas engine? Isn't it just a smellier yes, horse? Exactly. And like, isn't Twitter just like SMS? And you know, isn't Slack? I mean, oh my god, I'm actually not sure about. It. But like, yeah, isn't Slack just the same? You know, AOL Messenger.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, isn't Instagram just Flickr? Like, isn't Google just Alta Vista? Isn't Facebook just MySpace? Like. Every single successful yeah. company I can think of, like, you can see that isn't it just a blank, you know, for blank. So like, of course, like I actually, I don't think I'd invest in something unless I can be like, unless somebody's like, well, wait, isn't that just a, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that, to me, that's great. That's great. The best version of that, uh, when I was pitching, uh, which I encourage people to do is like, when you frame it as like, we are a X for Y, we're like Tumblr for laundromats. <laughs> So I like that. I, the simpler the
0: better. I don't I don't disagree with you. This has been uh, a ton of fun, Phil. Where do people go to uh, sign up for mm-hmm?
1: mm. app? Uh You know what? If you're not sure how to spell it, just Google how you think it is. It'll, it'll
0: come up. That's awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. If you're interested in self-directed investing from startups to crypto and public markets, my Substack is a great way to learn how professional investors screen, review, and pull the trigger on deals. Join the largest community of micro-investors and startup founders on Substack by going to katoon.com.